Hi, Hi everyone. everyone. I'm John. And I'm Georgia. And we're here inside your ears to talk about the mac and cheese of movies. This, this is, is Comfort, Comfort Films. Films. Hi everyone and welcome to Comfort Films episode 33. Today we're going to be discussing Clash of the Titans, the 1981 film classic which I never saw until I was in my 20s, but hey. <laughs> I can't believe that. That's so wild. Like, everybody at my school was all over this. I mean, we had the lunchbox. We talked about it. It was always on television. I mean, apparently there were actually even action figures. I never saw them. Oh, wow. I would have definitely been on that, though. I just, I don't know. I wish I had seen this when I was a kid, because yeah. I'm sure I would have loved it. I mean... It opens up your mind. It's got, like, the Greek mythology angle, which is really cool. Yeah. And the action stuff is really cool. And the Ray Harryhausen kind of uh, animation stuff, I would have loved when I was a kid. Yeah, it blows your mind. Yeah. I mean, Pegasus... What an amazing creation. And Calabas. Wow, Calabas. <laughs> Calabas was so scary to me. You know, his little underground lair there. I, I mean, it, it is an underground, but it feels it, underground. It like, feels like, I mean, it's like swampy yeah. and dark and stuff. It seems like it's always dark there. You yeah. know, it just seems like a place that really sucks Well, and me. he has a vulture and minions yeah. and weird stuff going on. So. The vulture seemed kind of cool. Like, do you think like he and the vulture ever just kind of like, <laughs> broke it down and played some uno you maybe know? i mean the vulture seemed like the coolest person in his in his little posse yeah i mean then there was like person. ron it's a bird i think look bird I, person <laughs> i think it's a good bird person i mean the, the rest of his crew like ron wood you know that would like flash the uh, riddle you know dad, on the when scroll. you called him ron wood he looks just like him. he does look like ron wood it was hilarious yeah it's like if ron would like lived in a cave this would be what he looked like. This is like, yeah, this, <laughs> this is like a different universe, Ron Wood, you know, and he's got his crew. And I mean, you know, aside from Ron Wood and the Vulture, I mean, the other people, we didn't really get to know them. No, you know, no. we didn't even get to know Ron Wood. But the fact that we call him Ron Wood, That's you know, just, if he didn't look like Ron Wood, would we even be discussing him? Probably not. Probably not. But, you know, when Calabas is gone. Ron Wood looks like he's running the show. That's what I thought, too. It's like he's taking over, you know, the crew. I don't yeah. know what he's going to do with them. I, I mean, what songs are they going to play? Just draw more riddles. I don't know <laughs> what he is going to be on about in, down there. But <laughs> I really enjoy the Vulture, though. I, I That was one of my favorite things. That's the Harryhausen, like, stop-motion animation type deal. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, It's really cool. And there's a lot of effects like that. Now, of course, you know, it's dated. We have CGI everything. But I like the old ways. Yeah, I like seeing them. It's fun. It's nostalgic. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I know I would love that when I was a little kid. So I kind of feel like I missed out a little bit. You did, because the whole adventure was just laid out in this fantastic way. Like, yeah. you know, this film just kicks right off, right? Yeah. With Perseus and Dan I just going into the water, you know, in the yes. coffin. You know, we're into the credits, you know, and then we see the destruction of Argos. Yes. And, and that's pretty, crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Like, all this water comes in, and these people are, like, running around with horses and... It's like wild and Acrisius gets crushed. Yeah. Like they pick like Zeus picks up his figure and crushes him. I really loved that too. Like how like Olympus is kind of just this heavenly place. It's yeah. like all white and everybody's wearing like angel clothes. 
and then they have like these little figurines which represent all these people. Yeah. And, you know, they fiddle around with them and play with them like dolls almost. So it's really an interesting kind of vision, I guess. Well, for me, it was huge because I always loved playing with all my action figures when I was a kid. I had a whole room that was dedicated to this. And I loved it because I would just make up all these fantastical stories. And then when I saw this, you know, I was like, oh, wow, they're doing the same thing. Like you know? you, you're like, I'm a Greek god. Yeah. I'm Zeus. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know... I don't know. Zeus is a... Zeus is kind of a tank. He's a little problematic, to say the least. To say the least. The fact that he turns into a shower of gold and it drips down to impregnate, deny, you know, it's like, uh, what is that? Like Perseus's mother. So... Yeah. Perseus's mother's deny. She's Acrisius's daughter. Mm -hmm. And John had looked this up because I had no idea what the background was, but... The whole story is that Acrisius is told that his daughter's son will kill him. Mm -hmm. And so he is just like, okay, well, my daughter's not going to have a son then. So he locks her up. But then Zeus, being Zeus, is just like, oh, a virgin? Guess I'm going to take care of that. Because <laughs> he's a piece of trash. Yeah. And he'll transform into anything to go screw some woman so <laughs> he'll turn into a bull a and swan a swan they talked about like Theta said that he turned into a cuttlefish yeah. and tried to get with her and so, she turned into a shark yes and that was i'm like that's the way you got to shut that zeus down <laughs> well that was what was funny is like the female like the goddesses were like talking about yeah. this about zeus and just being like oh yeah you know how he is and i mean the fact that he turned into a shower of gold that sounds a hell of a lot like a golden shower <laughs> you know and i was just like what you know when i was a kid so gross. oh dude the Ew. whole thing is nasty it's like nasty times it is you I know mean... the other thing with acrisius too and what i read is that he wanted to have an heir and, you know, he wanted to have a child. And uh, the Oracle at Delphi said no. But, you know, everything else, you know, that you said that, yeah, your daughter would have a son that would kill you. Mm. You know, and it's it doesn't the, the Clash of the Titans film doesn't exactly follow the story, because what's so crazy is the way that Acrisius dies. OK, in, in this myth is after he's done everything and he's decapitated Medusa, he saved Andromeda, you know, and he's trying to come back to Argos, I think. Mm -hmm. um, he actually gets, like, kind of messed around and he ends up in a different place where there are some Olympic Games happening and Acrisius happens to be there and, like... You know, Perseus throws a javelin and somehow it hits Acrisius in the head and kills him. It's like a comedy bit. That would have been like not a good movie. So I'm glad <laughs> that they went a different direction. That's like a bad version of old school. You know what I mean? <laughs> old school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, I think that what the writer of this is Beverly Cross. Yeah. Um, a man named Beverly, which you don't run into very frequently uh, anymore. Um, but he kind of was interested in kind of mashing up some of the Greek myths and yeah. turning them into something interesting, using some things that were mm -hmm. um, from there and some things that weren't. So it was pretty interesting the way that he did that, and I like it. Yeah, Calabas. I mean, but yeah, Calabas is not even in Greek mythology, which no. I didn't really know that either. I had no idea. 
after I watched this, I was just like, oh yeah, Callum was. Must yeah. be some guy I just never ran into. That's how I felt. I was like, oh, I must have just missed this. And I was all over mythology when I was a kid. Yeah. I would always go to the library and I would read everything. And I was like, Calabas, I just don't know that. Yeah. And, and it then, was based on Caliban right? from Shakespeare. Yeah. Which is interesting because it is a very Caliban-esque character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's transformed into this monster, but Caliban kind of is kind of a half man, half monster yeah. type character. And he's definitely a villain. Yeah. I mean, there is no redemption for Calabas. He is just an no. A1 toilet. Well, Calabas in this is like, you know, he's a total jerk. He's yeah. like kills all the winged horses. Yeah, I mean, except what? for Pegasus. And, and, you know, he wanted to. You know he wanted to. He kept to. trying. He yeah. kept trying to, like, crap out all these other animals. Like, he's just a jerk. Like, I don't know what his deal was. He's so slimy. He just, like, anytime he comes onto screen, it's like he just oozes onto the screen. Yeah. You know? And really good performance. Yeah, fantastic uh, Neil, performance. Neil McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also played with, like the stop motion as well so when yeah. they do like the full body shots it's like a stop motion animation and then when they do the close-ups or the chest up kind of shots it's the actor well it originally calabas did not have any lines so it was going to be completely stop motion but then when he got lines that's when they decided to get an actor in and so they got neil mccarthy and he's so good like i, I think that getting the actor really turned out in their favor because it makes him a little bit more horrifying to me Mm -hmm. that he's actually a person who's been transformed yeah when he's with andromeda you know yeah exactly that scene where he like you know is giving the riddle and you know he's like touching her arm and we have like this pretty close shot on like his nasty fingernails and his (laughs) bogus ring yeah and it just oh god like the energy that comes from him yeah it's gross it's creepy i mean yeah it really is and you know i think that's interesting because he sees himself i think as like a tragic figure yeah you know because he's been transformed and he's lost all the things that he was promised so he's like seeking revenge Mm mm-hmm but I think from my perspective, he kind of earned what he got. Like, he was punished. And I do understand yeah. Thetis's point, which is that if it was, you know, Zeus's son, he would have just overlooked it, which he would have. Oh, yeah. Zeus doesn't care. You know, if it's one of his children, it's good to go. He is all over Perseus. He thinks Perseus is the greatest. At the very end, when we're going to release the Kraken... You know, he actually gives Perseus a little boost because Perseus is passed out, I'm guessing, from exhaustion, you know, in in that arena where he first meets Ammon. And it's just like, you know, he perks him up. He's always looking to give Perseus that extra edge. He makes sure that the other gods provide him with a helmet. They provide him with a sword. They provide him with a cloak. Yeah. And then they provide him with Bubo. Yeah, when he loses everything else, they give him <laughs> Bubo. They give him, uh, he gets Pegasus. Yeah. Like, all of these 
advantages yeah. are given to Perseus. And again, he does lose some of them. He loses his helmet in the first fight. With Calabos. Yeah, yes. it just drops into the swamp. And I feel like that could have been avoided, you know? I mean, wouldn't you just grab it quick? Like I mean, I, would I, have. I just feel like if you have a helmet that makes you invisible, that is such an advantage. And how could you be such a dumbass <laughs> that you don't know that you leave footprints? Protect your property. Right, Come right. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. It's like having a really good pair of sunglasses and you leave them somewhere. <laughs> well, okay, at least with the shield, okay? The shield and the Medusa fight. I get it, okay? Yes. It's in her blood, which I didn't ever catch them saying that her blood was acidic. I thought they said it was poison. They said it was poison, but, I mean, I guess we're to assume that it also is, like, acidic because it was, like, destroying this this shield yeah so yes in that case he actually used it for a purpose and then it was destroyed in that purpose so it was worthwhile well and he also does calabos with the sword yes he does that million dollar throw that tags calabos perfectly and takes him out for good yeah he also cuts off calabos's hand and that with was that earlier sword. Yeah. so he uses the sword many times in this um, he's using it against the scorpions that came from Medusa's blood, oh, too. The creepy. Ugh, well, Ray the Harry. Maggots are the creepy oh, part. Oh, that's so nasty. Ugh. Well, Ray Harryhausen. It's maggots, Michael. <laughs> it's maggots. Well, Ray Harryhausen is such a genius that he would study the animal movements and he would really go deep to try to make sure that everything that, that he created, you know, seemed to move in a lifelike manner. Well, you can see that, I think, because, well, just the scorpions, for example, look very real. Yeah. They're very cool. That was one of my favorite things, actually. I mean, the other animals in this, the pegasus, like you had mentioned, mm. is fantastic. I mean, it. you look at it, you know, you don't see that the the wings look bogus it looks like it's all part you know of the one unit and yeah. the way you see pegasus legs move yeah when it's in the air you're just like wow i mean it's just such a wonderful fantastical journey for a kid to take yeah when pegasus like bursts out of the water at yes. the end it's very real looking i mean very good job and like we said yes it is kind of dated when you watch it now because we're used to, like, super realistic type effects. But yeah. I can imagine watching this as a kid and just kind of being blown away by the, by how magical this seemed. I mean, I had that with... I did see um, Jason and the Argonauts, which mm -hmm. Harryhausen also um, did the animation for. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, these skeleton fights, which are, like, yes. super cool. Yes. And I loved that. So I remember that. And I have to say, in this... One of the coolest things to me is the fighting with the creatures because, mm -hmm. like, you see Harry Hamlin, like, going at it with these <laughs> creatures. And I kind of forget, even as, you know, as fake as it looks, that they're not there because he is moving like they're there. So it's really well done. Well, he even has to move the camera to mimic camera movements. And I, I saw that. There are so many shots that he is manipulating so much like it's actually a lot of the times a composite mm. you know that they've laid all of this together yeah yeah and so much planning even like well, you can see that a little bit too like they're doing some really primitive like green screen type stuff yeah. here with like some of the exteriors and like the big 
you know, when he first goes into Joppa, mm-hmm. um, when Perseus first goes into Joppa, you can see, like, all these different layers that they've built in to make it look like a city. And it's pretty cool. Well, the one shot that was really interesting to me that that I saw something on was when Calabas and Andromeda are at Calabas's lair, okay? Mm-hmm. there There's, like, the, this wide shot where we have Calabas in the foreground and we have Andromeda in the background. And the camera actually is lifting off of the ground. Mm-hmm. And so Harryhausen had to, like, take you know, like his, his table and move it up at the same rate Oh wow! in order to match it. And you don't even think about it. That's really impressive. Yeah. I mean, the things that we don't think about are the ones that are really a knockout when someone explains to you, this is how he did this. Yeah. And I mean, the whole thing I would also say is this is one of those things where if you saw it on like a not cleaned up kind of version, yeah, it actually probably helps in a certain way. Because if you saw this on TV back mm-hmm. in the 80s after it had just come out, yeah. without it being cleaned up, everything kind of probably matches pretty well. Mm-hmm. Whereas now that we're watching like a, a Blu-ray type transfer, mm-hmm. you know, certain things are very cleaned up, which makes some other things look kind of worse for the wear. Yeah. Well, and this also is the last film that Ray Harryhausen worked on. Yeah. You know, in, in this capacity with visual effects. And so it's, uh, this is like, this is like the final gift, if you will. Yeah. And you can really see how far he went. I also feel that, you know, if we had a transfer that was more uniformly cleaned up across the board, I think we might be able to appreciate it even more. Because I felt like the transfer that we saw, it was, you know, we had some some really uneven, you know, shots throughout the film. Like, would be in complete grain, then would be completely clear. Yeah, especially in, like, a darkness, like, mm -hmm. when they're going into Medusa's kind of temple area. Things get kind of dark and very grainy. Well, and we also felt like when we watched this... This felt like a much older film than what it was. It did. It did. I mean, I definitely had that feeling when we decided to do this one. I was like, well, that's good because it's like a 70s movie. (laughs) Because we just did, you know, we're in the middle of our Sword and Sorcery series here. We're on our third week. Mm -hmm. Um, And last week we had done Conan the Barbarian, which was released in 1982. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was like, well, that's good. We're going to go back in time a little bit and do a 70s movie. And then I realized it was released like not even a, a full year before Conan. Well, yeah, I mean, you said to me that it was shot in 1979. It was. It was shot further back. So I don't know what the delay was. It probably was a special effects thing. I'm not sure. Yeah. But it was shot in 1979. So it was made in the 70s and released in in 81. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny because it has another connection, uh, which is to Star Wars, which was our first sword and sorcery. Yes. And we picked that one because we're like, oh, this is sword and sorcery, but it's like a really weird updated version. And now on the third week, we're going back to like a more classic sword and sandal type thing, although it does have witches. So I think that counts as sorcery. Mm-hmm. Um, and a very Macbeth style. Very. Stygian witches. Stygian. Stygian yes. like Conan. Like Conan. Yeah. Right. But also this movie kind of came about or came out because of Star Wars, because mm-hmm. Star Wars had been so successful. 
they're like, oh, let's make another kind of fantasy type movie. And they made this Clash of the Titans and they have a lot of influence from Star Wars in this. Yeah, Bubo, the reason that we have this mechanical owl is because of R2-D2. Yes, and I, I never would have put that together, but when you told me, it makes perfect sense. Like, his head spins around. He's mm-hmm. made of metal. He kind of goes beep, boop, beep. <laughs> you know? So he's like totally like R2 and he's helpful to yeah. our, you know, young guy who's like the hero, which is very Luke Skywalker-esque. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's really funny that way. Well, and it's also a thing where we have Bubo is only understood by his master. You know, not everyone understands what Bubo was saying. That's so right. this this carries over from that, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then we have Burgess Meredith. As Ammon, who's kind of a weird Obi-Wan type yes. figure. The beard is super <laughs> Obi-Wan. Yeah. I mean, I never would have compared those two, but it's true. And then Tom Pickett Smith plays Thallow, who's kind of like the head of the Centurion Guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of got a little bit of kind of a Han Solo sidekick vibe. Yeah. Which, un- unfortunately, he dies. That That's such a bummer <laughs> yeah, of a moment. It is. It is. But, you know, it, it's like Calabas is such a fantastic villain in this, and he carries out through the whole film. We see the creation of Calabas literally at the beginning of the film. I love that scene. Yes. And I know you really do, too. It's it's all done in, like, this shadow. Mm-hmm. It's like we're back in the what we were talking about with, like, the figurines yeah. that the gods are kind of playing with. And Zeus kind of talks out this transformation, and we see it happening in, like, a silhouette of a transformation of the figurine. And it's just amazing. Yeah. It's so evocative of the transformation and this torment that Calabas is going through. And it's it's just really well done. And I think that this does have so much kind of Shakespearean element to it, even yes. beyond Caliban and Macbeth witches. Mm-hmm. You know, we also have like these gods that really are just using people for their sport, you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, cause the whole reason that any of these things are happening is because the gods are pissed at each other. <laughs> yeah. And it's all petty bullshit. That's yeah. what I really enjoy. About it's like it. work squabbles. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it's like the TPS reports. Like <laughs> Zeus keeps reminding Thetis about the TPS reports, right? But no, I mean, like, that's it, though. Like, she's mad at him because he has favoritism for Perseus. Right. And he's mad at, at Calabas because Calabas killed all his winged horses. Yep. Which is kind of lame. Calabas. I would be super pissed. And then, you know, Thetis is like, yeah, but if it was your son, then you would have been fine with it. Right. And Zeus is like, yeah, but it isn't, so suck it. (laughs) And, like, you know, they're just so mad at each other. And then because of this, like, Thetis is, like, going to get revenge Mm -hmm. on on, uh, her people of Joppa. And she's trying, she, like, throws Perseus into Joppa, which is her town. Right. And, you know, she's going to do that to, like, get him, you know. Well, and then it's that that scene's really good 
because like Zeus starts giving Thetis the business for doing this to Perseus, and it's <laughs> like, oh, I, I didn't do it. You know what I mean? And it's like, who the hell else would have done that? But also, like, why can't Zeus just fix it? Like, does somebody forget their Zeus? Right, and doesn't he like just know stuff? I mean, I thought there would be like a, a knowing in this, and it's also fascinating that we have Zeus as Laurence Olivier. You yeah, know? yeah, uh, and well, there's all these Shakespearean actors in this, right? I mean, for sure, Laurence Olivier is enormous. Yeah. in that, but Maggie Smith was as yes. well. I mean, you have all these people who, you know, you can just see in Shakespeare stuff, and they're in this, and it really adds a lot of weight. To what they're doing, even yeah. though their characters are kind of silly. To, I mean, they're a little bit weird. They're like, oh, yeah, eh, I can't believe you did that. Well, I did. Get over it. And I, they're just squabbling. And all these people are like literally full on dying. Yes. Just because these gods are just like... They can't get along. I love that everyone just keeps telling Zeus to stuff it. Yeah. You know, it, I like it when he tells Athena to give her owl to Perseus. Oh, yeah. And she's like, um, no. And yeah. She no. goes to Hephaestus and has some craft, mm -hmm. a mechanical version, because she's not going to give up her owl. No way. And her owl is so pretty. I love the owl. I mean, I, I wouldn't give, give it away. I got to give props to that actress because. I fully buy that she has, like, a friendship with her owl. Susan it's Fleetwood. Susan Fleetwood, yeah. She's really great. I've seen her in a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. She's in one of my favorite Jane Austen adaptations of Persuasion. Fantastic, fantastic. I love her in Young Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, we should do both of those movies yes. in the future, because I love both of them. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a really funny movie in the fact that it's looking at God's in a very irreverent kind of a manner. Mm -hmm. um, so I like that. Again, it would have been something I would have really liked when I was a kid. Right. Because, yeah, when you start getting into Greek mythology, mm -hmm. you know, I think you initially don't realize that the gods kind of are a little bit ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. But then you start to realize it as you read more and stuff. And I just think that was really funny. So I like the way they did it. Well, and we also have all of these very heavy-hitting people as the gods. Like, Ursula Andress is Aphrodite. Yeah. And she has, like, very high billing. And I, I think she might only have one line. I believe she only has one line. Right? I mean, she's in a lot of the scenes kind of standing there. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if, like, they had more stuff. They just cut it. Right. Or if it just, like, this is all there was. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, when you get these gods and you're casting them, I think you kind of have to, like, go for, like, a heavy hitter, you know? Well, like, Hephaestus is Pat Roach. And I don't believe he even speaks. I don't think he does either. I we think just we see just him... see him making boobo. Right. Yeah. Right. And then standing in the background at another time. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it's something that, I mean, when they did the remake, they, they definitely followed, you know, that same protocol. Yeah. 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 They got, like, Ray Fiennes as um, Hades, mm -hmm. which I really love. And they had Liam Neeson as Zeus. Yeah. Um, and those two guys have worked together on, like, Schindler's List. Right. Which kills me. That's like... Oh, yeah, Schindler's List and then Clash of the Titans remake. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Well, that happens a lot, like Platoon, Tom Berenger and Charlie Sheen, and then 
major league. <laughs> totally like, different what? movie. Yeah, like, but yeah. I guess they're just like, well, we can imagine these guys together. We've already seen it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I thought that was really funny in the remake of Clash of the Titans, which is also a fun movie to watch for many reasons, not the least of which are the two guys we just mentioned, plus Mads Mikkelsen, of oh, yeah. course. Um, but, you know, we'll probably write about the, the differences because they also changed things up again. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as they took Greek mythology and kind of warped it around to what they wanted to do here, yeah. they even pull it another couple layers back uh, in the remake. And I actually think it's it's fun, so I have no problem with that. Huh? Well, in the remake spawned a sequel that had Wrath of the Titans. Yes. And then I read something that said a uh, sequel was actually proposed to Clash of the Titans, oh, wow. but they the did not move one. forward. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's kind of too bad. It would have been fun. But I guess without Ray Harryhausen, what would be the point, maybe? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of box office this did, but I have to tell you, as a kid, to me, it certainly felt very successful. Yeah. You know, because it was everywhere. And, and there wasn't a person that you met that didn't know what it was. Because you didn't meet me. <laughs> That was it. Like, my dad loved it, you know, and like, you know, there's like me and my dad and (laughs) my circle of friends. Yeah. We make up the world, guys, you know. Um, (laughs) No, but I mean, I think it's, again, probably just because I really didn't go out and see movies that much, except for Conan the Barbarian, which I saw at the drive-in. That's so amazing. Confirmed. I know we kind of, if you listened last week, I kept trying to wonder, like, did I see this at the drive-in? Like, how did I see this unedited as a little kid? And I called my mom after the show and confirmed that, yes, she took four-year-old me and my two less-than-one-year-old sisters. Mm-hmm. She and my dad took us to the drive-in <laughs> to watch that. I think they probably assumed that we would just fall asleep, but no, I watched the entire thing. So It's such a good movie. I am very happy that it happened. I told my mom... If you've ever had any bad feelings about that and thought, hey, I probably shouldn't have taken my small children to Conan, you're wrong. You did the right thing at the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great... Look at me now, Ma. Right? I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So another really interesting connection we have here, uh, Peter Mayhew. Okay? So Peter Mayhew was... (laughs) That's Chewbacca. Yes. Oh, yes. Peter Mayhew is Chewbacca, and he was in the newspaper, and that was because he was a man with very large feet. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the producers of a film called Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger saw this, and they were like, we need a really tall guy. We need a guy with big feet. We need a big feet, dude. And so they hired him to play something called the Minotaur. And so this was like this bronze kind of humanoid creature. It had like a stout bull head, okay? And in the long shots, it was it was Peter Mayhew mm-hmm. that, that was doing this. Okay. And so according to a person that was in the makeup department by the name of Colin Arthur, he said that because of Peter Mayhew's involvement as the Minotaur, that's how they thought of him when it came time for Chewbacca in Star Wars. That's crazy. And originally, this gets even weirder, they wanted David Prowse to play Chewbacca, but David oh. Prowse wanted to play Darth Vader. 
So weird. So we got Mayhew. I mean, you know, I couldn't imagine it any other way. Oh, no, not at all. Peter Mayhew played that for years up until very recently, and then he passed away. I mean, like, that's, you know, a life as Chewbacca, really. And he worked as an orderly in a hospital, and he would just work there in between Star Wars movies. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, amazing. And everyone said he was a wonderful man. That's great. Yeah, it's really funny how, like, all these fantasy movies just have these connections. Right. You know? I mean, we talked about it last week with, like, the Conan Beastmaster with all these kind of similarities between those two movies. And then in this movie, we have another disgusting stew (laughs) with human hands popping out of it. Of course. It's like, is that just a require? It's like there's a checklist and that's on it. (laughs) disgusting stew well and we should also mention that sinbad and the eye of the tiger had beverly cross as as a writer and that's who wrote this as well so it's really funny to me like i don't know do we just not have as many fantasy movies coming out nowadays and ray harryhausen did the visual effects work on sinbad and the eye of the tiger if i didn't mention that too yeah i mean so looped together it is it's really cool it's cool that people used to make stuff like this. I feel like things used to be a little bit more, like, creative. I mean, I like a lot of movies that come out now, but I don't feel like there's as many opportunities to just be super creative. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think people are looking more for, like, a proven entity. Yeah. And, like, you know, it's hard to get a movie made if you don't have something that already exists mm-hmm. that you're basing it off of or spinning it off of or something like that. Well, what's wild is we know how talented Ray Harryhausen is. He had so many projects that could not get off the ground. That's so weird. Yeah. Because someone of that caliber, you would just think everyone would be like, green light, green light, green light. But no, that was not the case. Well, you know, I have to imagine that it probably was kind of expensive and time consuming to do like these types of things. And, you know, there was probably already a bit of a shift away from these types of effects into more, you know, computer generated type stuff. Maybe not in like 1981, mm-hmm. but, you know, even like we were saying with Conan, we had like mechanical type effects, like right. they built a snake and, and stuff like that. So, you know, more robotics and, and things rather than like these stop motion kind of effects. Well, this is very interesting. It's kind of a family affair. Harry Housen's father actually would kind of, I, I don't know how to term this. He would build like almost like the skeletons of the creature that you could articulate. Oh. Yeah, and he he did that for him up until his death. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, there were so many things in all of his creations. Like, Ray Harryhausen had all kinds of moving parts inside of some of these things that he built. And you were just like, this guy, you know, he is a god, you know? (laughs) We should have seen him, you know, know. up there at Olympus. Oh, that would have been... He just was making these things, and they are so cool because the way they move is very realistic. Mm-hmm. And I just like that he's playing with toys, kind of. Yeah, look, I love playing with toys. <laughs> and somebody that's playing with toys and making toys even cooler than they already are, 
that's an awesome person in my book. <laughs> I agree. Well, let's get back to the stew. You know, the human stew. Human I kind of stew. pulled this away. And I mean, this is really, you know, an interesting thing. Why human stew? I just don't know. I guess probably because it's like a super taboo thing. Yeah. And it's kind of one of the grossest things you can think of. It's like, you know, cannibalism and... <laughs> eating human flesh like oh. is freaking disgusting yep so if you see that somebody's doing that then you're like okay i think i can safely say this is a bad guy <laughs> unless it's like one of those survival movies <laughs> well yeah like you know like like you... alive right right <laughs> okay plane crash what are you gonna do <laughs> jeff is looking good you know <laughs> oh my god it's awful <laughs> yeah but yeah i just found it hilarious that like we've watched three movies lately from mm -hmm. this kind of you know, same era. Yeah. Like this 1981, 82 years. Mm -hmm. And they all have, you know, gross people eating a soup made with human body parts. Yeah. I'm like, wow. All right, guys. Something something was going on around that time. We don't know. There was something in the water, I think. <laughs> you know, hopefully it missed us. Hopefully not a human hand. Oh, my God. Like... Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a movie that just came out, I think it was a Hulu movie called Fresh, and it just showed, like, a human hand wrapped up in cellophane, oh. <laughs> like you would see, you know, like when you went to pick up your hamburger or whatever. Oh, God. Well, we have, like, the the Calabas hand. Right. That Harry Hamlin, like, pulls out and flips and flops onto the stairs in front of Andromeda and Cassiopeia. Yeah, he flips it out like it's a real piece of shit. Yeah, That's what I does. like. Well, because the whole thing is Calabas was supposed to marry Andromeda. Right. Um, and then he was transformed. Right. And she refused to marry him. Which it kind of is just like, they present it in such a funny way to me. Because it's like, well, is she shallow? Or what? Because she did like him. And she says that she did. Like, that he was interesting, you know? And... I was like, well, is she just a dick then? Because he's like ugly now. So suddenly she's just like, oh no, I can't marry you now. You're too, you're too ugly. Well, see, I, I actually completely misheard that because what I thought she said was, I thought she said, no, I never really liked him. And then I was like, well, why the hell are you going to marry him? Well, I think she said she never loved him, that it wasn't love. Okay. But, you know, she thought he was interesting or something like this. He had a cool car, I guess. Yeah, but then Harry Hamlin shows up, and he's, like, you know, all buff and stuff, and he's got, like, great hair, you know? Right, right. So, then suddenly it's just like, oh, <laughs> Perseus, he's cute. Harry Hamlin is here. And we also have, I don't know if we talked about this already, we have these, like, Macbeth witches that keep showing we up. We did talk about them a little bit. We touched on the Stygian witches a little bit. But yeah, they're funny. They're just kind of ridiculous because they can't see. Yeah. But they have like this crystal eye eyeball. Right. That they use to see. But they share it. Yeah. So like they're always fighting over it. Yeah. And then <laughs> Perseus gets it. Bubo grabs it. Well, it's like so obvious. You know, like Bubo grabbed the eye, I believe is the exact dialogue. Yeah. And it's like these witches are extremely powerful. Why didn't they like guard it? You know what I mean? Just try to huddle around it. But no, they just kind of left it there and Bubo takes it. And it's just like, I think that these witches, 
you know, like maybe we just caught him at a bad time. It's not the A game for the Stygian witches. <laughs> I don't know. Like to me, it seems like this is probably not the first time that they've misplaced the eye because yeah. like they're always fighting over it. So I can see if one of them's trying to grab it from the other. Right. It's going in the stew. Well, and there's a hand that comes out of the stew. It's yeah. like the I think the person's still alive. Yeah, they are. I Why don't didn't know we how? save them? Why didn't we save the person in eh, the stew? Wasn't important enough. <laughs> we didn't care about that. Bit. That yeah. was not why Perseus was there. He was there to find out how he could kill the Kraken. Yeah. That guy's mostly dead already. Just leave him in there. <laughs> it's just a guy in soup. What do you want? Yeah. You I know? mean, what's, you know, he's going to be a little bit burned. Screw it. He's half cooked already. Yeah, just, just put some croutons on. Yeah. <laughs> just garnish him. Yeah, just put a little cheese. Say it's <laughs> French onion. Oh my gosh. But. Actually, that leads us into, like, the Medusa scene, which I think is one of the coolest parts. That's my favorite part of the film. And, yeah, it really is mine, too, I think. I think that's when, like, everything is, like, really getting to the point where you're super in on it. Yeah. And, you know, he has to ride the little boat with Karen to get there. And Karen is freaking scary. He is so scary. And he has, like, that chip in his skull, you know, like right above his teeth. And there's something about like this chip being out of the skull that just makes it so much more like, oh, to me. Yeah. I mean, for me, the part that's kind of like, ew, is when he like sticks his like skeleton hand out to take the coin. Oh, yeah. And then it like closes around the coin. Oh. Oh, they really show that skeleton hand a lot. They must have been really proud of it, but it is cool. It's terrifying. Yeah. But I want to know how they got, like, four dudes and Karen on that boat. It didn't look that strong. It didn't look like they were going to do that to me at all. It was, no. like, a very small kind of a boat. I mean, when they were driving, riding it out, I was like, that's a tiny boat. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think anyone would get into it. It was like, it looked like there were some planks in it. And I'm like, do you sit down or is that rude? Do you stand <laughs> with him? Are you, like, do you want me to, like paddle um are you cool yeah I, don't I, know. I like some conversation you know in my taxi rides like you know i feel like if i'm gonna lay down some coin i want you to tell me a story offer me a mint you know you something want something you yeah. want to make a connection yeah it's a horrible boat ride no though. karen's all sad he's not talking <laughs> he's just karen yeah. is more like my kind of taxi driver yeah who barely even asks you where you're going mm. and he's just gonna drive you somewhere if you need to say it, go ahead. But otherwise, let's keep it quiet. Yeah, just keep it professional. I don't really I guess, like small I talk, so I'm cool with like the silent taxi guy. Well, I don't need like incessant talking, but just a hey, how you doing? Quick joke. <laughs> Here's a water. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, that's where like your Uber guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and like Karen is like the ancient Uber he guy. Is. He's the original. That's true. Yeah, and why does Thalos stay on the shore. Why does he stay with Bubo and not go? Like, was that ever explained? I don't think so. I don't think that it was. And I find it confusing because he's like kind of the head guy. Yeah, he's the boss. But he sends like three like dudes out that are like just randos. Cannon fodder. Yeah. To kind of do, yeah, well, and that's pretty much, they just all get killed. So. Yeah. Maybe that's why he stayed back, because he's like, um, I have no interest in facing Medusa, but enjoy yourselves, everyone. <laughs> um, and, yeah. that. But that's a super cool scene. Like, you have the two-headed dog mm-hmm. that comes out. 
which actually was super sad for us because even though it's a vicious murder dog, we still like it because it was a dog. Yeah, we didn't want it to be hurt. <laughs> so when they start stabbing it, we're like, no. Yeah, and like we had to rewind it because I wasn't sure how the, the first guy fell. And I, then we had to watch the dog get killed again. Oh, and I was like, that. no, this is terrible. Yeah. Like, I guess if we got attacked by a dog, we would just let ourselves be killed because we went on hurt the dog. Yeah, I would run and I would just keep running. I, I, I wouldn't attack anything. But Medusa, when they do run into Medusa, mm. she is like so cool. And the way that they did it is so neat looking. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's more of the Harryhausen animation. And it's very intricately done because you have, you know, the body, the upper body of a woman. Mm -hmm. The lower body is like a snake with a rattle on the end of the tail. Yeah, and that's so scary. that They do a great job with silhouette in this. Yes. Oh, yeah. Especially, yeah, because we talked about the, the Calabas transformation. Mm -hmm. And then with this, we see her in shadow multiple times. Yeah. And it's just enough to, like, freak you out. Like, oh, my God, where's she going to pop up? Right. And, you know, you see her head. And, oh. of course, then you got the snakes moving on top of the head. Yeah. And then when she, like... You know, starts turning somebody to stone, like her eyes light up green, and it's just really scary. Mm -hmm. I, I really like that part. And Medusa's story is kind of like a bummer, so... Big time. It's, like, interesting that, you know, we have this woman who's a villain, but she's villainous because, you know, she was wronged. Poseidon, like, fell in love with her. I'm not clear whether it was, like, consensual relationship or not. Oh, wow. Okay. But they were, like, in the in Aphrodite's temple because she was a servant to Aphrodite. Mm hmm And Aphrodite gets jealous yeah. that Poseidon is into her, which I didn't even understand because Aphrodite is not with Poseidon. Yeah. Her husband is Hephaestus. And yet <laughs> she know. was jealous enough to turn Medusa into this, you know, murderous snakehead lady yeah who just kill turns people into stone with this gaze well it's just like yeah it, it, it's so funny when you think about what the gods do because it's just like when you're a little kid and you get angry at someone you know like i could really see a little kid getting angry you know at their friend because they got an extra candy bar. <laughs> but like, I hope your head turns into snakes and you have a big rattle for a tail and you're in the darkness. And if you see anybody, you're going to turn them to stone. So you're not going to have any friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of. That's it. They're like super petty. Yeah, like, all yeah. the God stuff is super petty. Yeah. It's just like you don't mess around with them because they will they will shut you down can you imagine playing a board game with these people oh my god forget it yeah no i would not be friends with them because it's just you know if you're gonna kill me just kill me like like just release the kraken <laughs> and i'll just crumble to my death in the square at argos or you know later on he has he's attacking joppa yeah you know i'll just i'll just embrace death via Kraken. Well, it's just like, I also really enjoy the fact that Poseidon is just like an errand boy, you know? <laughs> Zeus is like, yeah, you know, you're going to bring out the Kraken. Yeah, you know what I mean? He's like, all right. And then he does it and he looks horrified. 
as he does it, he's like, oh, my God. Like, it's just like he wished he didn't. Like, what's that about, really? Yeah. Why is he so, like, you have the Kraken caged up. Right. First of all, the Kraken, why is he paying attention to anything that you care about? Like, you keep him in a jail underwater. What power do you have over the Kraken? Like, I almost get the feeling that, like, the Kraken... You know, could have just said, you know what? I'm not going home. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have a few things I want to do. Yeah, like, why didn't he? I mean, I have a question about that. Especially in this one, because the Kraken seems very humanoid in this one. Like, I felt like in the remake, it was more animal and more like, you know, squid-like or Mm octopus-like. But in this, it has some fishy qualities like it has little fins on his head and stuff like that and yes he has four arms but his body is very humanoid well it could be an homage to the thing that got him into this which is king kong that was what harry housen loved first and that was like okay you know that's when he was like i want to do this and so i think when you look at the design of the crack and i mean i didn't read this anywhere i'm with you it it has that that vibe to it you know because he's coming to this chained up woman it reminds me a lot king kong yeah you know and the face does kind of look like that it's like a scaly king kong right right i mean also i think about um the creature from the black lagoon yes this is really like a really giant creature from the black lagoon yeah also i could see that i I mean it's his creations okay i have to say that i was never really aware of ray harryhausen until we went and watched this again and i watched like a short documentary on him and I've seen Jason and the Argonauts. I remembered that. But so many of these other films I have not seen. And what he was able to do. Yeah. You know? The dinosaurs are what was impressive to me. Yeah, the dinosaurs. Like, yeah. I would honestly say to you that watching the clips of the dinosaur stuff that he did mm-hmm. is kind of what formed my idea of dinosaurs. Like, oh, when wow. I think about dinosaurs, yeah, I think about, like, the, the Triceratops T-Rex kind of fights and okay. stuff like this okay. that I think he did. Um, so that just informed what dinosaurs look like in my brain, wow. in a way. So, yeah, I mean, this is... Pretty a, big. Yeah, this is a very very creative and influential person yeah you know when i hear pegasus i see harryhausen's pegasus yeah it's it's really good Mm -hmm. and i like the way that they did things in this it's the same thing with calabas where when they have the close-up shots of the pegasus it's a horse it's like a white horse Mm -hmm. but then when they like pull back yeah you have like the animation version and you know you get into the story to the point where you're not thinking about like that. Oh, it's not real. You know, no, you, you never think it's not real with any of these creations. Calabas again, so terrifying. He is such a wonderful character. Yeah. Well, and the way that like he, we haven't kind of touched on the way that he is dealing with Andromeda. Mm. You know, she's thrown him off. He's still trying to keep her. Right, right. And the way he does that is by, like, stealing her spirit to come to his lair at night. So when she goes to sleep, her dream self, I guess, Mm -hmm. gets up and walks into this huge human-sized cage that this vulture then carries away to Calabas. And it's really this creative and 
idea. You know, I think that's a crazy idea. I've never would have thought about anything like that. And again, I love the vulture. I think it's super cool. Mm -hmm. And thinking about, you know, that going there and we have a vulture connection with Conan. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. Perseus takes a bite. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, and that's really cool because when Perseus gets Pegasus, mm-hmm. that's how he's able to follow um, the vulture yeah. to figure out what's going on. Because the first time he sees it, he can't do anything about it because the the bird just flies away with her. So, so weird. It's really cool. Well, here's also, this is a little far off, but I'll tell you. You know, with the vulture carrying this cage away that kind of looks like a phone booth, it really makes me think about Bill and Ted. (laughs) Bill and Ted. Right? That's funny, because no, it does look like a phone booth. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, wow, was this the beginning of Bill and Ted's (laughs) Excellent Adventure? You know, you pitch to somebody, all right, we're just going to have this big bird come and just carry around this phone booth. Well, I mean, if you really think about it, there really wasn't that much time elapsed between when this came out and when Bill and Ted came out. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there should have been because they look different. But, mm-hmm. I mean, when did Bill and Ted come out? Like, 88, 89? So it was like nine, uh, eight years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about eight years ago now was, what, 2014? Wow. I mean, do you really think that movies from 2014 are so different that you, you know, are able to really distinguish between what was coming out in 2014 and what's coming out in 2022. Well, I feel that the innovation is just as important, if not more important than the technology. It's the skill of who is behind it and what they can achieve. Yeah. Because we can watch, you know, three or four films from like the same year and they all are wildly different in terms of the quality of the effects. Yeah, well, and it's also the creativity of the people involved. Yeah. You know, I mean, and the things that Ray Harryhausen is able to do with, you know, the resources that he had available mm-hmm. is pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, and it's very creative. It is like playing with toys, which I think is why this movie is very appealing, you know, to a child or very to kids. Much. You know, I mean, of course, I liked watching it as an adult as well mm-hmm. for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. But when I, if I'd seen this as a kid, I think I would have been like very enchanted by these creatures. Yeah, I I loved them. That's what I can say. I yeah. love them. I still do. I mean, going back, it makes me feel like I'm a child again watching this. Yeah, well, and you you can really relate. It's it's like the hero's journey type of a film. Mm-hmm. You know, you can really relate to being like Perseus. At the beginning of the movie, he's, a, well, at the very beginning of the movie, he's a baby who gets thrown into the drink. Right, right. Um, you know, but <laughs> when we actually start interacting with him as our protagonist, he's like a young man who's kind of grown up sheltered, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and he hasn't really been exposed to the world that much. And when you're a kid, you know, I think you really can put yourself into that position and it gives you like a lot of imagination about what would I do if this was my situation, you know? Yeah. And it's a great adventure movie. I mean, he has a ton of adventure, you know? Well, yeah, he's got the companions, which is always a big deal. You know, he has Bubo, he has Thalos. Ammon. Of course. Yeah. You know, and let's take a moment to talk about something kind of ridiculous, which is 
the way that the blades of swords are handled in the film. Yeah, people were like clearly were not thinking about yeah. the fact that these swords are like deadly sharp blades. Things in some cases that could quote cut marble. Yeah. Right. Like that was kind of funny. <laughs> this happens in so many movies, so I don't I'm not just picking on this movie. Yeah. Because this is one of John's pet peeves, like in every movie that has a sword. People keep, like, grabbing it by the blade, yeah. which should, by all rights, cut their fingers off. Yeah. But it doesn't. No. And in this particular movie, Ammon is, like, having this huge speech about, like, how sharp this blade is that it can cut through marble. Mm -hmm. And then two seconds later, he's, like, gripping it very tightly by the blade and I'm like, bro, you're going to, like, you should be bleeding out right now. And then he slides his hand down the blade. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. Then he rests it on his leg. Yeah. It's just like all these people. Ron Wood down yeah. in Calabas's oh, yeah. layer. It's clearly a prop know? sword. Yeah. Because of the way people are treating it. Uh, but that's just something super funny for, like, if you're ever watching a movie with swords in it, mm -hmm. just think about that. Because I think you're going to see a lot of cases where this happens. Because we, we are always seeing this in every movie. Yeah, it's right there. Well, it's just one of these little things that I don't think I would ever notice. But since I have done some acting, you know, I've had different things where I literally had a rubber rifle once. And when I was holding this rubber rifle, I had my finger on the trigger. Mm. And, you know, and I wasn't thinking about where I was aiming it because it was rubber. Yeah. And then the armorer was like, look, even if you have a rubber weapon, you don't point at anyone. I was like, oh, my God. OK, never will do that again. <laughs> and also, you don't put your finger on the trigger unless you're going to shoot. And so it's just not something that, that you would think about. You know, unless somebody told you. And the blade thing, I totally could see myself doing that. Yeah. You know, it, it's just like, it's those little bits of realism sometimes that it takes like an expert in the field to say, hey, man, don't do that. Yeah. I mean, well, because you're not thinking about it because it's not hurting you. No. Like you're not getting hurt by doing that. Mm -mm. And, you know, you have your prop and you want to use your prop. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's funny if, if, you know, it's just something that we always notice in a movie that's kind of a goof. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this movie did have other magical elements. Like, when I was watching, I was like, is this really a sword and sorcery movie? Because I found it on a list of sword and sorcery movies. And then I was watching, and I'm like, hmm, hmm, is it? Because it's got the witches. Mm -hmm. But then we also have, like, the, um, the magical kind of enchanted items yeah. that he has. And uh, one thing that we missed mentioning was the cloak. Yeah. He has this red cloak that he has the Stygian witches kind of enchant also so that it will resist Medusa's blood. Mm -hmm. And that's how he's able to carry her head yeah. around. He kind of wraps it up in this. And then, you know, Calabas finds it and being the pain in the ass that he is. <laughs> He has to, like, mess around and try to cause trouble. So he, like, <laughs> at this point, his hand has been cut off by mm. Perseus. Yeah. And he has, like, this little, I don't know, trident <laughs> stuffed into his hand. Uh, uh. His stump. Right. And he, like, kind of stabs it into this bundle, which I don't know if he knows what it is, but it's Medusa's head inside the cloak. And that's when this blood kind of drips out and creates these scorpions. 
and also a pile of maggots, Ugh. inexplicably, that are fully disgusting. Yeah. But the scorpions are, like, a super cool scene. Yeah, the scorpions are great. I mean, you see them there, and you just see the movement of the scorpions, and you're really excited. Like, I was surprised that they were able to hack off pieces of the scorpions. You know, yeah. I didn't think they were going to be able to cut the claws. Yeah, well, because uh, scorpions are very tough. I mean, yeah. they have, like, that tough shell. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny because I remember the scorpions from the remake. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because in that, it's super funny. Like, they end up, like, riding them. Yes! Um, which is awesome. And I love that. Mm -hmm. But in this... I didn't actually remember they had them. So when I saw them this time, I was like, oh, they do have scorpions in this one. So it was really fun. And I just think it's a cool scene. That's another time when Harry Hamlin is like fighting something. And I just completely forget that it's not really there. Yeah. And this kind of is going back to like Valeria with like the spirits that were trying to steal Conan. Yeah. When we watched like the behind the scenes kind of version Mm -hmm. without the effects added yeah you have to be super impressed at how she's fighting off like nothing and like harry hamlin's doing the same thing here it's yeah it's it's very very believable that yeah. he really sees these creatures and i actually think again about being able to cut the claws and cut the scorpion with perseus's sword if it can cut through marble it could definitely chop up the scorpions yeah but it's still like a tough fight like he still has to go for it well it's it's yeah i mean because they have the stingers they have the claws thalos manages to finish off his scorpion too yeah yeah so but then he gets killed he gets killed by calabas because Calabas is a dirty prick. Yeah. And he gets him with that same trident. Yeah. That trident, I guess that was a good new accessory for him. <laughs> he should be happy that Perseus cut his hand off. So he has like this awesome, like stabby little trident. Now that makes me wonder if that's the reason that they, <laughs> that Brick gets the trident in Anchorman. Oh. I wonder if it has to, if it's a callback to this. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to I'm going to build on that because Calabas kidnaps Pegasus and they also bring out those nets to oh, take true. Pegasus. Yeah, and then they have the nets mm -hmm. to steal people in that Anchorman fight. That is hilarious. And also we didn't talk about Bubo saving Pegasus. Yes, that was awesome. We didn't really talk about Bubo enough anyway. Let's talk like, Bubo. Let's, let's, let's talk Bubo it. this yeah. discussion. I love that Bubo comes about because Athena is like, no, I'm not going to give up my owl. Love it. I love Athena. That's my favorite goddess anyway. I don't know if you have a favorite from Greek mythology. But... Athena is great because Zeus has a headache and they have him crack open his head with an anvil, and then she just comes out. Yeah. That's awesome. It is. I like that she was just, like, in there, and she's like, I'm coming out. Yeah, he just, like, had a headache. He's a god. You know, and it's just like, you know, I don't ever want to, like, self-harm, but when you have, like, a really <laughs> bad headache, you're like, man, yeah. I wonder if I could just crack my head open and something would come out. Maybe Athena's in there. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Athena was definitely my favorite. I mean... I've always cared the most, I guess I would say, about learning and knowledge and wisdom and stuff. So I always thought that she was the super coolest one because mm -hmm. she's like the goddess of wisdom. And I really like her in this. And she has Bubo built by Hephaestus, who's actually another cool god. Yeah. Because um, he's like, you know, he builds things. 
Um, and I enjoyed that in some of the video games we played, you know, like God of War yes. was a video game that we played a ton. Mm -hmm. Um, we both loved it yeah. and it had a lot of mythology built into it. And there were different times when, you know, you'd have to go to the gods and, and do different stuff. And I thought that was cool. It just reminded me of that. Well, yeah. And even some of the later, uh, Clash of the Titans movies, like the remake and then the sequel, to the remake, I felt even more fully embraced that God of War video game mentality. I fully agree. And I think that was really good. Uh, that's mm -hmm. one of the things I liked. Same. Because we both loved that game. I mean, we played that thing multiple times. All of them. Yeah. I mean, it's a good game. Yeah. When you're that invested, and, you know, we're both fans of mythology, it's like, what is better than playing a video game in mythology? Yeah. And it was really good games, too. Like... Yeah. You know, we like hack and slash type of games. Yeah. And there was nothing more hack and slashy, I think, than God of War. Well, I also love the Conan game, too. I yeah, would play that fair. a million times. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're just, I think we're big fans of this sword and sorcery genre. You I know? think so, too. Yeah. And we also are big fans of Bubo because he is metal and he's like... This, this really cute barn owl, you know, yeah. that makes great sounds. And I like the fact that, like, Bubo will take a tumble. You think maybe he's going down and he's no, back. He's fine. Calabas gets him with the whip, Doesn't knocks matter. him into the river. He's back. You know, it's like R2 in Star Wars. Because, you know, at the end, at the Battle of the Death Star, you know, R2 gets shot in the head. Yeah. And but... we think he's done. Yeah, we were, like, stressing out about it, but right. nope, he's cool, he's fine. Just like Bubo. He, he bounces back. I would have loved to have a toy Bubo. <sighs> That's what I kept thinking about. I never had that, and I had every toy. If I saw Bubo the toy, I would have been so on that. Yeah, that would have been, like, one of my favorites, because I just would have liked it. It's like... Because it's like a friend, yeah. you know? It's like your little metal friend. It's your buddy. Well, Thalos in the movie really hated Bubo. He just really had this disdain, and at one point, he had to carry him around. He has a little perch. Yeah. Like, he's holding a perch with Bubo on it, and he does look pissed. Yeah, he, he does. Like, the, at first, I, I don't... Does he have... That little perch when he first puts him on his arm, or does he just place him on his arm and then the next scene we have the perch? I think in the next scene is when the perch shows up. Okay. But it is really funny that he's like the the unhappy boobo bearer. Yeah. Like he's holding him. And they had no they had like no respect for Bubo in the remake. No, they treated him so poorly. <laughs> they, and I was so disappointed. I know. They like find him in a in a case and they just throw him off. And I'm like, hey now. Bubo is a lifesaver. I felt like he was a really great friend. And I love R2-D2. And these people were really smart for bringing Bubo to be like that. Because that's who you want. You yeah. Know? And he took idea. care of so much. And I love the way he moved. And I love the design. Like a metal owl. Yeah. So it's like, wow. And the big eyes. And it looked very like steampunk. Yes. It was very cool. I wanted to put him on my arm. You know? <laughs> I was like, Bubo is cool. Like... Yeah, I would have really had him just in a really prominent place in my bedroom. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would I would have built a perch. I would have carried him around on the perch proudly. You know, this is a cool creature. Yeah, he was very neat. We we should look it up and see if that was one of the figurines that they had because that would have been a cool thing. Maybe we can get one someday. Yeah, that would be fun if you had a Bubo, even a Funko Bubo. I, I will take Bubo <laughs> any style. Any Bubo's form. cool. Yeah, yeah. 
The other thing that we didn't really uh, talk about, and this is another effect that's really great, and uh, it's a, a Ray Harryhausen piece, I imagine. Maybe it's not, but it's very cool whoever did this. And that is they have this enormous statue of Thetis, and they're able to superimpose Maggie Smith's face yeah. on it and and have her talk. Now, you know, I guess that doesn't sound that amazing when I say it, but the way that she perfectly matched up yeah. to the statue. It looked really cool. Yeah. And then she got mad, and this was another ver this is another gods be petty right. kind of situation. The reason that she got super pissed and decided to destroy Joppa isn't because Calabas asked her to. Mm -hmm. It's because Cassiopeia, when she was kind of doing a hand fasting ceremony mm -hmm. with Andromeda and Perseus, said that Andromeda was even more beautiful than Thetis. <laughs> and that's enough. And Thetis, know. like, then causes an earthquake. Yeah. Is so mad. Her head literally comes off of her massive statue, topples down right in front of the couple. Yeah. You know, and that's when the proclamation comes that in 30 days you have to sacrifice the virgin Andromeda to the Kraken. Yeah. I mean, that's what sets off the whole thing. Could it be more petty? I doubt it. No. And what's also interesting, just quick anecdote, is Thetis's actual son in mythology is Achilles. Yes. So much different. Totally, totally different. Much yeah, like different. Because, like we said, Calabas is a creation. Um, but, yeah, and she wasn't a god either. In this, she said that she's, like, the goddess of the sea or something. Yeah. But she was actually a titan, so. It's, I, I mean, it's everything in this, it's funny because I saw it as a kid. And when we talked about sword and sorcery, I always loved this. And I don't know why it didn't come to my mind first. I think it's because I filed this under mythology. I think so too, yeah. I mean, for me, like I said, the reason that this came up as for consideration mm -hmm. is because it was in a list, in several lists, about yeah. sword and sorcery movies. And I don't think I would have necessarily myself classed it as that. I would have thought about it as a, a fantasy or a mythology yeah. type of film. But... It is sword and sorcery. I mean, there's Absolutely. magic, there's swords, there's adventure, there's like, you know, the hero's journey, which is always kind of a central part of these stories. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we have another female character who's not content to kind of sit back and let people do things for her. I think Andromeda is slightly more traditional than somebody like Valeria, for example. Mm -hmm. But we were intrigued by the fact that she didn't want to just let Perseus go off and have the adventure by himself. She was like, no, I'm coming too. I'm going to do, like you know. And I liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just because it's like, how many movies have we seen? You stay here. You know? Yeah. And it's like, and the great part is in so many of these movies where guys go to the ladies, you stay here. They just go fuck it up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, they make it much worse. You know, it, it's, yeah, it's a mess. You know, one other thing that I want to bring up, this is like such a wild jump, with Perseus's shield. Mm -hmm. You know, Perseus's shield was like a communicator because when it first shows up, okay, 
it's like it, it's, you know, facing outward, you know, the part that the sword would hit. And then you hear this muffled voice and they turn it around. And in the back, it's this gold. And then you see Zeus's face yeah. and he talks to Perseus and he says, these are weapons from the gods, you know, and it's like it's the first FaceTime call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just said like Olympus, you know, and then he like tapped the shield. But <laughs> you know, it was it was like well, it had also foreshadowed later when Thetis talked from her statue. Yeah. You know, but I with with the shield, why it's important is because Zeus appeared that way, and this is how Perseus was able to look at Medusa without turning to stone. Yeah, because it's like a reflection. Um, of his face and the thing gets her to come after him. Yeah. And that's how he's able to get her. Yeah. He ends up cutting her head off. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a good movie. I think that, you know, it's funny. Like when I watch it now, the first thing that does come to mind is like, oh, okay, this feels very old fashioned, mm. but it has that nostalgia factor, even though I didn't see it when I was a little kid. Um, it has that nostalgia factor because it was so creatively done. Yeah. And they made so many interesting choices with the technology that they had, with the resources that they had. And that's what I like about it. You know, it, it feels like when you're a kid and you're playing make-believe and you don't necessarily have, you know, all the accoutrement that you need for your story. So you come up with a way to do it, you yeah. know? When I was a little kid, I don't know, for some reason we wanted to play like we were in a castle, you know, working in the kitchens. Yeah. And we would just put on these little um, kind of lace doily things that my grandmother made okay. on our heads. You know, like that was like <laughs> our little period costume, you know. And it was fun, you know, because it's not like you just have everything handed to you and you're, you know, doing that. It's more like doing a play like Shakespeare style where you may not have everything. Mm -hmm. You have to create the scene with language or you have to use some other kind of creative special thing. Like we actually did a little stop motion short film. Yes. Quite a while ago at mm -hmm. this point. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a lot of fun for us because we have made short, we had made a lot of short films and things and, we were doing like a kind of a short film series mm -hmm. at the time. And for whatever reason, I think John probably, because he's the creativest one here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Like, and you're amazing also. <laughs> well, I'm more of like the hands-on one, right? So John has this idea, hey, let's do a stop motion movie. So, I, you know, I was like, okay. And we decided to use fruit as our people, you that know. That was awesome, yeah. And, you know, the most fun part of it for me was figuring out how to make everything work, you know. The story that John kind of made up was that it was Black Friday, mm -hmm. and these little fruit characters were trying to go out and buy hats that were on sale. <laughs> so figuring out how to make these hats, I was like, gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And what I ended up doing was buying buttons and push pins so that it looked like they were wearing a little beret when mm -hmm. you stuck it into their head. And I was really proud of that idea, you know. And and then I also had made a box. That's I, the best part. I, out yes, of, yes. Out of just like a, it was a silk soy creamer 
box, you know, that we had used up and I washed it out and cut it and turned it into like a little box and I stop motioned it being opened. Yes. And you put string on it too. Yeah. Oh man, that was next level. <laughs> that was next level. And it's like, if that's the kind of fun, you know, that Ray Harryhausen had on the reg, you can fully understand why he did this. Heck yeah. That was like the best job in the world. If you could just do that because you're always solving problems, coming up with creative and fun ways to dramatize a scene mm -hmm. with animals or with some, you know, something that you can't normally do. Yeah. And the creativity that is just off the charts. And I love that. That's what makes me love this movie. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. If it's... only they had some talking fruit in it, you know, <laughs> I mean that, you know, I would like it even more, but no, I, I, I understand. And I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I love creating and I love thinking outside the box. The <laughs> box. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for Clash of the Titans. We hope you had a good time. Yes. Uh, next week we will be back with our last of the Sword and Sorcery kind of four week stretch. Mm -hmm. Um, we're planning to do Willow. Willow. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, our first um, Ron Howard movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's gonna be a good one. I. It's another movie that. I should have seen as a kid, but didn't. So it'll be interesting to to talk about that as well. Um, yeah. So until then, uh, everyone stay comfy. Stay comfy. <laughs>